Board of Supervisors. Uh, no, is the uh, open space. Yep, yep. <laughs> Take a little break, a few minute break. County Open Space District Board of Directors. Our first item is approval of the minutes for the meetings of October 10th and October 24th. And I'll move approval of the minutes. Second. Okay, thank you. Motion by Luke and a second by Rodoni. Any public comment on this? Not seeing anyone in the chambers. Anyone online now? We have one speaker, Matthew Gregory Gabel. Please unmute. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, we can hear you. Go ahead. All right. Um, I'm not sure if this is too early to discuss this, but this was related to the Cascade Canyon yeah, Bridges we'll project. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a few moments if you'll just wait for a little sec. Oh, all right. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this is just general uh, open time. Yeah. There are no yes, additional Thank you. Here. Okay. Uh, we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Minutes, thank you. Aye. All right. Uh, Board of Directors matters and General Manager's report. Thank you. Max Corton, General Manager, uh, Marin County Open Space District. I'll be brief. Um, we're wrapping up work for the season on our Roy's Redwoods uh, restoration project, and it's looking really exciting. Uh, there'll be a little more work next year, and then we'll be able to open up the, the improved area. Um, Additionally, uh, we're doing some work, actually partnering with uh, uh, Novato Fire on some work out in Rush Creek Preserve. So one of the trails is closed because there are some hazardous eucalyptus trees adjacent to it. Should be cleared up in the next uh, week or two, and then the public will be able to use the trail again. Uh, in Lagoon Park across the street, uh, there's some work going on to remove Ludwigia. It's an invasive plant in the lagoon, and so that should be wrapping up in the next week or so. Um, and uh, lastly, we're working closely with the MWPA to plan vegetation works for the next year. So that's sort of process happening right now. Questions for the general manager? Not seeing any. Any public comment on general manager's report? Not seeing any in the chambers. Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, very good. Thanks for the report. We'll go now to 16D, the delegated agreements uh, just approve those agreements i'll move delegated agreements yes. okay. first by rice second by lucan is there any public comment on this item i'm not seeing any is there any online there are no speakers in the queue okay we'll bring that back we have a motion and a second all in favor aye okay that is approved and that brings us to 16e our main event, Cascade Canyon Bridges and Trails Project. Thank you again, directors. I'll turn it over to John Campo, our uh, principal natural resource planner, in a minute. But um, I just wanted to start by um, saying that this has been a long effort. It's been, I think, seven or eight years. Um, and really, there's been a lot of uh, folks who've been involved in developing the project that we're bringing to you today for approval. 
And I want to really appreciate the community members who've contributed to the project planning and, and lent their voice and ideas to the project that we're bringing to you today. I also want to appreciate the town of Fairfax, the staff there, and the town council who also contributed to the design of the project. And also to our team members, uh, John Camp obviously has been leading um, our road and trail design that comes out of our uh, road and trail management plan, but also Michelle Juline and Kelly Hyde who are here today who are uh, worked on the CEQA document and I think put a lot of effort into that work. Um, and you know, lastly, the, the, our, this is one of the projects that came out of our road and trail management plan. That plan is um, looking for opportunities where we can both improve the environmental condition of our preserves to protect <coughs> the natural resources and at the same time improve accessibility and safety and sustainability of our road and trail network. And this is a project that is meant to achieve all of those goals together. Um, so with that, I'll turn it over to John Campo. Yeah, thanks, Max, and good afternoon, directors. Um, I just want to go through a brief presentation, then I'll be able to answer any questions. Um, so as Max mentioned, this is the Cascade Canyon Trail Bridges project. Next slide. And the project location is in the south end of Cascade Canyon um, across the San Anselmo Creek. Next slide. And so the current access, especially in the winter months, um, this is the high water trail. You can see the red line there. It's a erosive um, trail that's not suitable for all users. It's not open to bikes and it's not suitable for equestrians. Next slide. Um, so the alternate route or another route would be across San Anselmo Creek. Um, and you actually do this crossing four times. If you're on a bike, if you're on a horse, you could do it twice. Next slide. And so um, a lot of folks do go here in the winter, especially to see the waterfall, which is further into the preserve. Next slide. And so, as Max mentioned, um, there's been a long stakeholder engagement process. It's actually been over 10 years. So we started in 2013. Uh, we've had numerous public meetings in the town of Fairfax, um, town council, uh, Fairfax Women's Club. We talked about it at the Region 2 meeting. We've had neighborhood site visits. Um, Katie Rice came out and met with neighbors. Uh, we've met with environmental community leaders for years on this project. So we've been talking to folks for a very long time. Next slide. And from those conversations came a series of basically a set of shared goals, uh, reduce erosion in the watershed, uh, enhance habitat for sensitive species, and improve the access and safety for all visitors. Next slide. And so, you know, very quickly we realized trail bridges was the way to go here. Um, and when we began designing the process, it was back in, you know, 2013, we had yet to adopt our, or you had yet to adopt our inclusive access plan. So when we started this, this was not an inclusive access plan project. But as, the adopt, as we adopted that document, it, we realized um, that we could very easily make it compliant with the inclusive access plan document. And that's how the, the IAP um, compels us to look at all new projects to see if we could be compliant. So with very little extra effort, we designed it to be inclusive for all visitors. Next slide. And so, you know, obviously removing recreation from the sensitive habitat is critical and paramount to the project. Um, this site, we have foothill yellow-legged frogs. We have them only in two known locations in Marin, and they actually breed here. Um, in 2021, we had an adult um, salmon, a 
attempt to spawn in the creek, and that's the first photo documented evidence we've had of that. And then additionally, um, folks um, often make uh, rock dams or bridges to cross the creek, and that's not really something we want to see in, in such a sensitive aquatic habitat. Next slide. Um, this is just a photo of uh, the, on the photo on the left is the adult version of the foothill yellow-legged frog, and on the right are egg masses, which are laid right into the creek and very easily missed. Um, so getting folks out of the creek and getting recreation out of the creek is important to the um, protecting the sensitive species. Next slide. Um, you know, trail bridges is not something that is new to us. We have over 60 trail bridges, in, and that's just on Marin County Parks land. That's not National Park Service, State Parks, Water District. It's really the preferred option to get across a creek. You could do a culvert um, or a rock ford, but the regulatory agencies really don't want us to do that. This is what they want us to do. They want us to build bridges. It's the most sensitive way to do it. Next slide. Um, and just a word about visitor use, you know, this plan doesn't create a new trailhead. It doesn't add a new user group to the preserve. Hikers, equestrians, and cyclists are all already welcome. Um, the plan doesn't add new parking. Really what it, it does is it removes recreation from a sensitive habitat and it provides safe and sustainable passage over a creek. Next slide. And so to talk about the CEQA process, um, so in 2021, in February, we started a, we published the CEQA document, the initial study, and during that period, we had a 30-day public review and comment period, and we had 190 comments, which is a lot for us. Um, at the same time, we had an informational virtual public meeting to provide, um, you know, information and answer any questions that would come up. The next couple of years, in 21 and 22, we worked to respond to those comments. We developed a restoration plan. We um, initiated a traffic study to address some of the comments. And then just last month in October, we published the responses to comments, which is a 415 page document. And then um, we're here today um, for board consideration of the CEQA document, CEQA certification and project approval. Next slide, I think that's it. And so I'm happy to answer any questions. To the presentation, are there questions? Yeah. Thanks, John. Um, and I'm just going to ask a, a couple questions that um, I'm sure they will come up in public comment. They came up, obviously, in written comment. Um, but I want to also <laughs> allow the folks who are here today to make their comments and ask their questions, too, and I'd expect um, more issues to sort of get fleshed out in, in your responses to those public comments. But um, obviously having participated in this from the very beginning, um, I'm pretty familiar with, with the concerns um, of, of visitors and nearby residents and also um, aware of the, um, the benefits that are seen by this project. And, and frankly, a lot, of, a lot of the benefits of this project are shared by, by everyone who's commenting on this project. But um, one of the biggest issues, two of the biggest issues are, one, um, 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 a concern that there will be an increase in visitor use, um, strain on parking, um, impact potentially in terms of increased use in the preserve itself. And so I think if you could talk a little bit about how um, 
how the project and or monitoring and or regular park practices, adaptive management will respond or will help, will, will sort of t keep a temperature on the pulse of what's happening um, over time, whether it's in response to this project or not. And then also um, what we learned through the parking study and just, and just uh, the, the department's sort of um, position on, on how, how we manage parking and, and how we'll be managing parking or not to the degree that it's our, under our authority uh, with this project. Maybe I can jump in and then John, you can add anything I missed. So uh, maybe to start at the end there, I mean, I think in terms of, um, you know, looking at visitor uh, use overall and visitation at the site, I think, you know, we don't expect, uh, you know, much of an increase in visitation due to the project. When we were, uh, you know, looking at this and responding to questions and earlier in the project sort of considering <clears throat> how this might affect visitor uh, visitation. We, you know, did research on other projects and 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 on and research about visitation that's happened for for parks and open spaces and other places, and really found that the drivers for visitation increasing one was new and additional parking being available. That one thing that really constrains visitation is the amount of parking. Another one is new features, like if there's a brand new feature or something that um, that folks are going to. Um, but putting in bridges for a trail, uh, it, we don't expect it to increase visitation. Um, in terms of parking, there's we know that there's very limited parking at the site, and we've we've noticed that on our on our website, on the maps of the site, so that people aren't surprised. We've also been in conversation with the the town of Fairfax, you know, ongoing for quite a while about. You know, if there are ways that they're interested in um, addressing parking in the area, we would be a, happy to be a partner in terms of whether it's signage, messaging to the to visitors um, about the limitations around parking at the site, or any other potential action. <clears throat> in terms of of adaptive management, I think that's an approach that we plan to take with this project. It's part of the project. It's also a part of all of all of what we do. And, you know, one thing that we've committed to here is uh, monitoring the amount of visitation at the site. Um, but the biggest thing that we look for isn't necessarily the amount of people visiting, but the potential impacts of, of visitation. So if we see that people are cutting the trail, going somewhere we weren't expecting, we can come in and, you know, block that off or change the trail or adapt it so that there are less impacts. Similarly, if we're seeing a place where people are speeding or going too fast or where there's a conflict, we can come in and <clears throat> one of the things that's, that's in the project is adding chicanes or, or um, features to slow traffic. And so we can come in and add additional features or additional signage if we see that there's an issue that we weren't expecting. Did I miss anything? No, I think you covered most of it. I'll just add that um, as part of the way the project's written, we would be doing post-project visitor use monitoring. Um, so we would install a game camera basically that would give us 24 seven um, kind of data on what the use is like, how has it changed? And you know, we have three years uh, prior pre-project data. So we would be able to compare, um, see how the visitor intensity changes if at all. Um, and then as Max said, manage impacts if there are any. Um, it's 
with all of our road and trail projects, we, we don't take a, you know, just do it and walk away. Uh, we're very much involved. We have, we're gonna be growing thousands of plants to restore some of the sites. Um, we're gonna decommission the high water trail. Um, so it'll be an active restoration uh, projects along with it. So we'll be involved for years to come. Okay, thank you. And then can you just talk a little bit more about um, the inclusive access elements, um, such as they were, and to what degree have we, how have we seen, ha how have we seen in our other parks how incorporating inclusive access has changed um, either the profile or the number of visitors? Well, maybe I can start with the last part and you can talk about the features. You know, I think, <clears throat> One thing that's really exciting about some of these projects, and John mentioned that with this project, is that this project was initially developed before we had the inclusive access plan, and honestly, I don't think increasing accessibility in that way was on our radar the way it is now. Uh, but because of the flatness of the, the trail and the, and the um, improvement for accessibility that bridges allow, uh, it creates an, an area that's that's much more accessible that meets the the goals of the inclusive access plan without really much modification to what the project was initially, and and that's actually the case in, in a number of places where we've undertaken uh, inclusive access work. And you know, I, I think for the most part, <clears throat> where we've done that work, we haven't necessarily seen much of a change in the number of people that visit because of the improvements. But I think from just anecdotally talking to community members who've been able to go out and visit um, where they might, it might not have been accessible for them in the past, just having that opportunity is incredibly meaningful. And, and I think for our team, I think we feel an uh, importance in providing opportunities for everyone and, and not just for people who are... Uh, who don't have a disability. Yeah, if I could just add, I, I think the three main components of an IP trail is the width, how wide is it, how steep is it, and is it firm and stable? There, there are other characteristics, but those, those three are the main ones. And because of this site, it's, all, it's already there. It's a very flat, gentle, wide trail, um, and it's firm and stable. So. It's, it's just a couple of minor tweaks to make it so there's no steep pitchy points. Um, and I think, you know, as far as how people even perceive it, I don't, a lot of people might not even realize it. You know, they just think, oh, this is a gentle trail. It just happens to be accessible for everybody. So it's, it, I'm not sure you would notice much of a difference. Well, just a, um, m my sense, having been out there, is that actually the, feature that was it going to be a feature regardless of our inclusive access policy is the fact that once you put these bridges in, it means that during the winter, people who were not able to walk beyond the first, who weren't able to use the Happersburger or the uh, high water trail have an ability to go farther up in, into the preserve. Whereas in the summer they may have been able to, but um, anyway, okay. I have other questions. I think they're going to come up in the public comment, and I um, so I will cede for now. Yeah, John and Max, thank you. A um, couple questions. The bridge looks like it may be a prefab, but is that the intent to use the prefab? Yeah, you could see a, um, a good example of it at 
uh, Bullfrog Creek at Bon Tempe Lake. The water district installed one a couple years back. That's pretty similar to what we're thinking. It's prefab steel. And construction timeline, is it one season or a couple yeah. of seasons? Yeah. Yep. They, they, there are spotted owls that breed in that area, so we would wait until after breeding season, but the estimate is that we'd be able to do it in one season. It's actually a pretty small footprint. It's really two abutments, and they put the bridge on top. So. It's and as far as impact to the community during construction, has that been analyzed? We would develop a traffic plan as part of it, and so um, we would manage it. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I just had one question. It's a process question. Uh, I noticed that uh, it was February of 2021 when the CEQA process started, and then 2023 CEQA responses, and that is two-plus years or something. And I just wondered, how does that work? It was a lot of work. <laughs> there was a lot to put together. Yeah, and like John mentioned, so, you know, we, um, we got – comments and there were a lot there were really a lot high volume of comments and so our team and like I was appreciating Kelly and Michelle over there they really took the lead in working through these going through a traffic study and through um, uh, the restoration sort of looking at the restoration process and some of the things that came up and really doing a thorough job of responding to those comments and so it did take quite a while, but I think it's a very thorough uh, document. Yeah, no, I, I would I would agree. So just a quick, so there is no regulatory limit, it sounds like, on timing. Okay, I just learned that. Great. With that, we'll open it to public comment now. Uh, please, those of you. As well, the, the documents say that there is no relationship really between it. They're irrelevant. They don't impair the, the uh, the project itself, the objectives of the project. But please remember that for seven years, Habersberger decommission was proposed, it was set aside, and for seven years, it's continued to violate a, a sort of key policy of the RMTP, and that is the, uh, the damage that considered continues on the Habersberger Trail. There's an opportunity here, then we're thinking outside the CEQA box, there's no constraint here from CEQA, but rather, it's a long-standing seven-year sore that needs to be resolved, and we would ask the board to consider conditioning the approval of the project on a time-certain, future time-certain, to address that, that unresolved issue. As for the growth, uh, we're forgetting, perhaps, the fact that there's a waterfall that has region-wide uh, region fame. It's listed among outstanding waterfalls in the Bay Area region. And for the first time, it will be easily accessed by the, uh, um, by the, by the, by the bridges. And even the uh, environmental document admits that there is a possible, possible nominal increase in use. So just keep that in mind. There could be, and the, probably the solution to that is to pay close attention to the MOU, to pay close attention to, uh, to monitoring visitation increases that have been promised, uh, to make sure that uh, this premise of the district is not one that, uh, that th there could not possibly be an increase in, uh, in use. There are many related factors that could be con considered along with that, that increase. Thanks very much.
Yeah, thank you. If there are other people who wish to speak, if you'd come line up behind Linda, now's a good time, and then we'll go online for comments. Hi, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak. I know you've had a marathon day. <laughs> um, I am a neighbor to the Cascade Canyon. I've lived there for 43 years, and I've seen the preserve change, become more popular, grow in visitation to from a few people of just neighbors to, gosh, when the waterfall's running, I am not kidding you, and I'm a volunteer member of the patrol, I have seen 40 to 50 people in the lower area of the preserve. It is a zoo. So it gets a lot of regional visitation. I'm concerned that this project, it's based on eliminating sedimentation, and it's been a long project, but why hasn't the sedimentation been measured? I know it's possible because one of my neighbors, who I think is going to speak, is a scientist, and that's his specialty. You can measure it. Why hasn't it been measured? When you live and hike the preserve as frequently as I do, and the water starts to flow, you can look and see this huge mud plume come out of the Cary Camp Creek. Now, that's probably gathering sediment, from Cary Camp Trail and Happersberger above it. If this is so crucial, why haven't we measured it? I don't get it. The project is narrowly focused by, as Nona said, excluding the entrance of bike riders into the project from Cary Camp Creek and Happersberger. It didn't count them. It doesn't consider their impact on mobility challenge people who are going to be on these trails. As, it, as these bike riders don't consider us who walk it right now. Um, the the uh, traffic study, I remember when they put that out there. Uh, it happened in August and September. That's a very low period. I have two, three seconds left. I would say, my final comment, how can new bridges and an inclusive access plan not be called new amenities. They are, and they will attract more visitation. Okay, thank you, Linda. I'm thank sorry you. we've gone over. <laughs> giving me the opportunity to speak. My name is Kim. I'm a resident of the Cascade Canyon and a steward of the Elliott Nature Preserve. I'm opposed to the bridges, and here's why. Elliott Nature Preserve should remain a preserve and not be turned into a regional park, which will attract more visitation. The wild and unique nature of this preserve would be forever changed by man-made structures. The critical habitat of the threatened northern spotted owl and dusky-footed wood rat, which is a keystone species, are extremely important to the ecosystem, which the proposed bridge number one would be directly located in this critical legacy area. Relocating dusky-footed wood rats have never been successful. Ongoing and increased visitation will negatively impact wildlife. The project does not consider this nor take steps to measure this displacement. While the project sounds good in theory, it is not well thought through. There is no study on the sediment. The creek only runs for about two months a year. The yellow-legged frog is upstream from the bridge area and are not threatened. There are no fish, and problems downstream prohibit fish from migration. That one fish that we all looked at was actually because we received 12 and a half inches in one day, and that one fish jumped. That was it. It was great, but we don't see that happening very often. 
Um, there are Bicyclists are already a problem by riding illegally on hiking trails. They terrorize people and displace wildlife, including night riding with extremely bright lights and loud voices, and there isn't enough enforcement to manage it. The visitation study is flawed. Cameras missed important ingress areas like the Canyon Carry Camp uh, trails where they meet, and they were measured at a slow time of year. The traffic studies missed the highest visitor season. Cascade Canyon is in the highest level critical fire wui with a constricted evacuation route. The increase in visitation will expand the fire risks. If the MCP says that there will be no increase in visitation, then what substantiates building bridges that will cost the taxpayers seven to, seven to eight hundred thousand dollars while destroying a critical habitat? The money should be better spent strengthening the high water trail, instituting trail closures during high water days, and directing bicyclists through Tamarancho, studying and repairing the erosion from Happersburger and Cary Camp trails, and for more enforcements to ensure safety and protection for wildlife habitat and visitors. Please do not approve this project. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. My name is Ana Bravo. I have been a resident of Fairfax for 41 years. Resident at Canyon Road for 31 years. I'm a mother of three children, a teacher and a grandmother of three grandchildren. While I was raising my three children, Elliot Nature Preserve, also known as Cascade Canyon Open Space, was our sanctuary, our refugee, for our family and other families as well. At the time I was raising my children, we would go for family picnics or just for a nice walk in the woods. or just to spend a quiet time in nature, to observe nature and learn from our habitat. We kept this family tradition all these years until bikers came along. I did have many encounters with mountain bikers, big groups riding with such velocity day and night. And I got scared to take my youngest granddaughter for walks. She was just learning how to walk, and I felt that was not safe for her and was not safe for me either. We stopped going to Elliot Nature Preserve. Mr. Floyd Elliot's wishes was that this land Miwok land was used exclusively as a nature preserve dedicated to passive recreation. Okay, we're at time. I'm sorry. You want to just wrap up? Yes. We don't, uh, clearly we don't need these bridges. And we have done just fine without it. We don't need the impact, the cost, and the effect that this will generate, generate in the near future.
What we need to do oh, is respect Elliot Preserve and respect Mr. Floyd's wishes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we, there, this gentleman will be the last speaker in the chambers, and then we'll go online. Hello, uh, Jeffrey Bolt. Um, a lot of people have talked about uh, stuff that I was going to cover, so I just want to kind of stay focused on actually the Elliott Nature Reserve and the changes uh, along the Canyon Road Trail. And, and uh, But I was drawn to this uh, brochure that was you guys all got a copy of today. And the, the title on this page in particular is Remove Recreation from Sensitive Habitat. And just the opposite, uh, in fact, is what will happen if the Canyon Road Trail is open to bicycling. There's 700 feet of uh, that trail that is in the Elliott Nature Preserve, which has been uh, designated by the Fish and Wildlife Department, U.S. Department of Fish and Wildlife, as a critical habitat. Uh, and basically a critical habitat is uh, there because of the northern spotted owl, but it's, uh, the habitat itself is that it becomes endangered. Anything, any changes to that environment will uh, directly affect the, uh, uh, the well-being, the, the uh, of the northern spotted owl. The dusky-footed wood rat um, is the uh, number one main food source for the northern spotted owl, of which there are eight or nine. Uh, there used to be 10. Uh, one was crushed during the surveying and destroyed uh, and uh, inadvertently, I, I'm imagining, but they are 70 years old, these nests. They are highly sensitive. And um, any other changes that are made to the uh, uh, to the Elliott Nature Preserve with, uh, by uh, allowing bicyclists to come through here. I do understand that it's uh, uh, our job, a feather in the cap of the bicycling community, if we could all just get together uh, and, and use the opportunity to preserve and protect that, the, uh, the critical habitat of the northern spotted owl there and divert the bridges around somehow to protect that and make it a win-win for everybody because it, it's clear that these, after seven and a half years, are, are basically uh, bridges uh, designed for bicycle use to make that connection from Repack, the birthplace of this, the mountain biking sport, into the town of Fairfax. Great so time. there's a Thank way to you. make it work for everyone and protect the, uh, uh, the uh, critical habitat. It, it hasn't even been looked at yet. All right, we're going to go online now. We have seven speakers. The first speaker is Matthew Gregory Gable. He's on mute. Uh, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. All right. Uh, so I, a, few, a few people have already kind of started to bring this up uh, as an issue, but I wanted to uh, flesh it out a bit more. Um, I live on Cascade Drive. I'm an engineer. Um, uh, amateur naturalist. I'm also a mountain biker and a uh, hiker. And so I think I might have a unique perspective on this. Um, I agree with the assessment that bridges would reduce sediment in the streams when bikes cross them. Um, but there, there hasn't seemed to be uh, an investigation to the effects of induced demand. Uh, an example of induced demand in transportation is when an additional lane is added to a freeway to alleviate traffic, but the presence of the extra lane encourages more car commuters, so the traffic situation actually worsens. Um, induced demand can be very difficult to predict because of the large human element in its nature. And in the case of our canyon, in my experience, 
as a biker and having other friends who are bikers, um, a lot of bikers will not access the canyon, at least on the main, on the legal trails in the winter because the stream crossings discourage bikes. Um, you don't, people don't want to have to get cold and wet. And I, by constructing bridges, I fear that many more bikers will access the canyon all year round, especially electric bikes. And um, I, and if you have a significant uptick in the number of bikes accessing the trails in the winter, you'll get a lot more erosion and that will probably offset any gains you would have gotten from closing the high water trail and building the bridges to begin with. And when bikers are accessing the, uh, the park, the water levels are generally low enough that I don't think it's as large of a concern. And in my experience with finding yellow-legged frogs, they generally are, as people have mentioned, upstream of where these crossings are. Okay, Matthew, um, can you wrap up, please? Oh, yeah. So um, I, I would uh, draw attention to some national parks that intentionally limit human access by restricting routes into and through the park for conservation purpose. Discouraging human access reduces visitation, which directly improves wildlife conservation because at the end of the day, human visitation Thank you. affects wildlife. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, next, please. The next speaker is Matthew Stewart. Please unmute. Hi, this is Matthew Stewart. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hi, thanks for uh, uh, allowing me to speak. I live at 190 Canyon Road. I am one house from the very end from the trailhead, and my backyard is the creek, so I am extremely familiar with the behavior of the creek and and uh, how, uh, you know, how often and how large the flows are. And this is a winter-only creek. It is only, it, it's gotten drier over the years. I've lived here since 2006. Um, the photo, as another speaker said, the photograph that was shown in the uh, uh, open space presentation is like a historic flood event. And it's, you know, I've hardly ever, ever seen it that large. Um, and it's not a really great, you know, it's, I think it's an intentional misrepresentation of what the creek typically looks like. It doesn't look like that. It, you know, right now it's completely dry. It's completely dry like eight to nine months of the year. Um, from my experience as a hiker, the mountain bike, I've watched many mountain bikers cross the creek. They, I don't think that adding a bridge is going to um, affect the, um, the, uh, what I'm trying to say is that I think that the mountain bikers don't really seem to mind from what I can see get it going through shallow water. I think that they, on the deep water, maybe they won't, but um, uh, I think the project is, is basically too intrusive. And, it, and as Jeff Bolt said earlier, it's right on top of um, one of the areas where there's several uh, rats nests, those large wooden structures. You can see them very readily. It's, it's you know right where one of them is gonna go. So I think it's a not a well-conceived project and I do, do not think it's a good idea. The next speaker is Tom Boss. Please unmute. Uh, good evening, directors. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not there in person. Uh, this is, I've been involved with this project for many years. Uh, lots of time and effort has been spent on this. Um, and it's really, it's really designed to do two things, address visitor safety, 
uh, it's hard to afford those creeks in the winter. It doesn't happen every year, but I, it happened to me this spring. I was coming down uh, Cascade and I hit those creeks. The first crossing was over two feet high and I had to walk through uh, the creek uh, three, four times, uh, not knowing uh, what, what, what's below me, the rocks and so forth. I think about uh, folks, uh, families with strollers, uh, dog walkers. It's, it just makes sense to take this existing facility and get it out of the creek and we're doing it with the lightest uh, impact and, and with enhancements, both for the wildlife and for visitor safety. Um, I've, I've talked to a lot of the neighbors about some of the other issues. We'll continue to have those conversations. We've already done some things to address uh, issues that I feel are not really related to this uh, project. We're simply taking an existing facility that's open to everybody and just moving it out of a creek for the benefit of the wildlife. Uh, so I really encourage each and every one of you to, to approve this and know that myself and John and other people have mentioned we'll, we'll uh, if, if other issues arise, we'll, we'll come, we'll adapt, we'll fix them. Uh, I really don't think we're going to have a big issue. I think it's mostly going to be a win-win uh, for wildlife and visitors. And um, I, I've, I've been in this preserve for decades. As a child, I, I stayed there in the summer and all my life, and I think it looks as beautiful and peaceful today as, as it has uh, ever been. So um, I encourage you to uh, approve it and so we can move forward. Thank you. The next speaker is Jamie's iPhone. Please unmute. Hey, thank you for, uh, thank you for taking my comment. Um, I, I'm, I've lived in Marin for quite a while, but um, I'm new to, to this kind of format um, and being involved in this and this political atmosphere. But one of the things that I just want to call out immediately is how much I feel like a lot of the comments just really just stink of Marin County entitlement. Um, this, this preserve is no one's private sanctuary. Um, just because you live close by doesn't give you any more right to use the preserve than other people. Um, when I was looking up part of the, you know, the, the reasons for this preserve with passive recreation, passive recreation, just from what I'm getting from descriptions is just recreational activities that don't require prepared facilities like sports pavilions. Um, so cycling, hiking, running, all of those are passive recreation. Um, the, the thing I really want to want to express in my in my couple minutes um, without going over like so many other people have um, is that when I hurt my back years ago, one of the best things I could do was find somewhere that was flat like this place, um, because I really had a hard time going up and down hills for several months while I was recovering. And I think that having these bridges here provides an access for older folks, provides an access for people that have some sort of disability or, or, or in maybe in a wheelchair to be able to enjoy things like this. There aren't a lot of places that, that are accessible for that, for that user group. And so I think putting these bridges in this preserve is, is just a really great idea to have um, both protect the wildlife that live in the creek as well as provide something that's really useful to the community. 
Time's up. Thank you. Next, the next please. speaker is Lena Godfrey. Please unmute. Hi, I'm Lena Godfrey. Uh, I'm a Marin resident and a mother of four young children, six and under. Um, I am here to just speak in support of the addition of the bridges. Uh, as a mother of a child with a disability who uses a wheelchair and just also of young children, we use jogging strollers and things like that. It's pretty hard to find places where we can bring the family out into nature all together. Um, and what better opportunity than a simple addition that can expand inclusive access and also simultaneously benefit some wildlife. I think that if the goal were to fully protect and preserve wildlife, uh, then the preserve could be closed to all humans. But the fact is, is that humans and bikers are already there. So increasing the inclusive access is really a win for everybody, like a previous speaker said. Um, we'd love to see you know, this addition happen and allow for more people to enjoy this space um, and also respect this space. And I think people fail to remember that Disability is a natural part of life. It's inevitable at different ages and stages. It, it exists across the whole lifespan. And those, though it doesn't touch some people at certain points in their life and it's easy to just turn a blind eye, it does eventually affect you in some way, whether that be through a relative or yourself or a temporary disability or permanent disability. And so creating as many gateways to inclusive access as possible in our open, beautiful spaces in Marin County is only gonna benefit everybody. Thank you. The next speaker is Mina Kim. Please unmute. Hi. Um, thank you for the opportunity to comment. Uh, please do not approve this project. It's based on numerous assumptions, not facts, that need to be addressed. And the surrounding area also needs to be included. These assumptions are being broadcast to the community, and those not close to the project are shouting support. As uh, Max said, or John, uh, 190 people commented on this, which contradicts the visitation study data on its popularity. From the outside, it looks like we're trying to keep a private neighborhood preserve, but one of the major issues here is that there's no parking, and we would love for everyone to come visit and, and visit the preserve passively, take it in um, and enjoy this biologically diverse environment. It's not just simply a walk in the woods. It's you know having a meditative stroll and not being um, pushed off the trail by a mountain bike. The problem is it's a box canyon. So there's all these steep trails that surround the canyon trail. And so there's no way to go down slowly. And then you know they're heightened because of the adrenaline coming down and it makes for really awkward and um, negative interactions, um, which I don't think is being addressed in this project. Um, we'll also lose that precious part of the Canyon Trail forever. And um, at the very least, please delay the vote for the people to process information. I am still processing it. Between sending out the 415-page document today, it's only been 23 business days over two holidays, one of them the biggest holiday in America. Um, the public officials have not had enough time to review the new information and investigate the um, concerns. Much has changed since 2016, and the town of Fairfax should have a right to hear and address the resident concerns because wildfire is a really big deal. There is no parking. People uh, don't know what they're getting into when they come down those streets, um, and it'll affect town resources and have a significant environmental impact. 
That's it. Thank you. The next speaker is Nathan Cohen. Please unmute. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Great. Um, my name is Nathan Cohen. Um, I'm a mountain biker, hiker. Uh, over the years, I've learned a lot more about um, uh, ecology and, and our natural resources and really enjoy uh, being outside in our parks. Um, I think we're all very privileged to live very close to wild areas. Um, I, I strongly um, caution people to, to be wary of um, you know, these, these claims that a lot of people make regarding the environmental impacts. I think there's possibly a lot of worry about traffic and those things in terms of cars for people in the neighborhood. But I really want to voice my support for access, um, especially access for bikes. There's no scientific uh, or social reason that bikes cannot have the same type of access that people do on foot. Um, you know, I understand occasionally people get scared because bikes can go a little faster downhill. Um, but, you know, that's not the mess the vast majority of instances. Most people are courteous and we should be focusing on education and embracing of, of all people in our natural spaces rather than trying to be exclusionary. Um, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, if, if you have the privilege to live close to a wonderful waterfall, then then that's great, and um, you know, there might be some visitors because it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Okay, thank you very thank much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Next, please. Next speaker is Larry Bragman. Please come in. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Larry Bragman, uh, former council member, former uh, MMWD uh, director. I've been following the this project for many years <clears throat> and it began uh, the main emphasis was to reduce sedimentation I have a problem with the current EIR because it doesn't even take into consideration the two main contributors to sedimentation which are Happersberger and Kerry Camp so I think the EIR is deficient uh, and should be um, continued until those two trail sedimentation uh, contributors are actually um, uh, calculated. Uh, the other thing I wanna say is I do strongly support inclusive access. And I think that's, to me, what has become the driver for this, at least politically. Um, and that's, that is a very good goal that you're trying to achieve. I think uh, I, I don't know if this is the right location versus Deer Park, which has much better parking facilities and is a much more welcoming trailhead, um, I think, for increased visitation. Um, the last point I want to make is for you to consider truncating the extent of the trail project. It seems like the most sensitive habitat is that extension to the Canyon Road neighborhood. And I would leave that off this 
project if you intend to move forward with it. Um, that trail would not only intrude on the most sensitive legacy habitat uh, at the trailhead, it really would produce uh, possible impacts on the neighborhood, which is a dead-end neighborhood, which is accessed through a very insufficiently small bridge. Bridged. So, you know, there's egress access problems that the neighbors are expressing that I don't think are exclusionary. These are real concerns. Um, I've used this trailhead for many years. Parking is non-existent on Cascade and Canyon. I wouldn't even approach the trail that way. It just seems so inconsiderate. So I think you really need to reconsider the EIR. Larry. And I would also consider truncating an expansive project. Thank you. So thank, thank you very you. much. Yep, time's up. Sorry. Thanks, guys. Speaker. Vernon Hoffman, please unmute. Yeah, thank you for uh, the presentation. Open space, very good job. Um, I am Vernon Hoffman. I'm the executive director of Ask for Bikes. There was about four dozen people that were prepared to speak today, but we decided that um, I would speak for them and not take up too much time. So these comments represent um, any others. <clears throat> we, Access for Bikes, believes in sustainable trails, number one. And we know that uh, studying trails across the country, we know that dry crossings will always be preferred over wet crossings. They are more sustainable. They are more appropriate for the environment. Therefore, these bridges are the best solution environmentally. As to the other, some of the other callers' comments, a trail plan is needed in Cascade Canyon. And Access for Bikes is willing to help and has hiked the, the area with some of your residents. And all we've asked for is that the trail plan has a sharing plan. So to the extent that bikes have access, we would love for the hikers to have their access and we would like to work towards sustainable trails, but we need a trail plan. That said, that should not stop the bridge project as the bridges, again, are the environmentally right thing to do. So Board of Supervisors, I ask you today to approve this project. Thank you. The next speaker is Matt Ferner. Please unmute. Hi, thanks for um, taking all these wonderful comments. There's a lot of good points have been raised. Um, I, I do think I agree completely with Larry Bragman's statements just a few minutes ago and, and want to mention in response to something um, the county parks officials said earlier on that it's not intended to expand um, access. It, it will expand access into that lower Cary Camp region by allowing bikes to go through the area that's currently um, closed to bike access. So there will be some added access in that region of the preserve. And it, I think it's pretty safe to say that it'll increase visitation from bikes who are not parking at the bottom, but parking up top or riding the full loop and coming down repack, coming out through the canyon entrance. Um, possibly the Thanksgiving ride that's been off for quite a few years now will be resumed in, under the presence of these bridges and that'll add a lot more erosion on Cascade Fire Road, which comes down right into the second bridge opening and I think Larry's point about needing more data and information on sediment inputs from Cary Camp and Happersburger is, is very important. And also Cascade Fire Road, which is 
a slurry, basically a river of muddy water during heavy rain periods. Um, that's where all the sediment's coming from other than the, the creek crossings themselves. The high water trail does not actually produce any significant runoff of sediment into the creek. And one possible alternative that could be added to the project that might alleviate some of the concerns of, of the neighbors who seek sanctuary or safety from bikes, um, as has been mentioned, is to reconsider closing that high water trail, um, maybe clean it up a little. I think most of the visitors who come in from far away will choose to go across the bridges, um, but it would be nice to maintain the option of the high water trail for those of us who enjoy it the most. Thanks. The next speaker is Mara uh, Curtis, please unmute. Mara Curtis, please unmute. Hi, my apologies, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Hi, thank you. I just wanted to uh, add on as a resident of Canyon Road that one of my concerns is the bikes who come down through the section that ends onto Canyon Road where bikes are not currently allowed. There is a whole bunch of mountain bikers that come through, through here regularly and as a parent of small children, it just turns the street into a public circus in a way that is only going to be encouraged. Um, I, putting up signs that say, no bikes allowed on this section of the trail doesn't seem to do anything at this point. In fact, when I moved in here, one of my neighbors said, oh, don't worry about that sign. Nobody enforces it. Take your bikes up there as much as you like. Um, it's just something that hasn't been commented on significantly in this in this commentary period, and I thought it should be um, brought up again. Thank you very much for your time. The next speaker is Sammy Owen. Please unmute. Hello. Um, in 1976, the Elliott Nature Preserve was acquired by the town of Fairfax and subsequently deeded to the Marin County Open Space District. It was not acquired by nor deeded to the residents of the five and 600 block of Cascade Drive or Canyon Road. Inclusive access facilitated by these bridges and the monumental effort open space has already done in the studies and the work that they are presenting to you tonight and in addressing all of those comments. It represents a terrific outcome for the residents of Fairfax Marin, but most importantly, the wildlife and the ecology of Cascade Canyon and the Elliott Nature Preserve. Please approve this project. Thanks. President Mold Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay, thank you everyone for all those comments. Uh, that raises some questions, and I wonder if you all are prepared to respond to some of the concerns about the impacts to wildlife, the uh, speeds uh, and, and protections uh, with the recyclists and just the whole panoply of issues that came up. Sure, maybe I can start and if I miss something, um, let me know. I, I think um, I took a bunch of notes here. I, you know, I think one thing that got brought up by a number of commenters was you know, other trails nearby that have erosion issues. And I think one of the reasons that we uh, developed and your board adopted our road and trail management plan is we know we have an entire system of fire roads and trails that were built as logging roads, ranch roads. They weren't built for sustainable, safe recreation. They weren't built to reduce erosion and so we know that there's a lot of work that we need to do to make that system more sustainable 
and um, and safer and uh, and lower impact on the environment. And so, what we've been able to do and what this project is a part of is incrementally looking at areas where we can make improvements so that the overall system is better. And you know, it's one of the things that's really difficult for thinking about sediment, for instance, is you know managing it's uh, like non-point source pollution, right? If there's like a pipe that has toxic stuff coming out of it, that's easy to target. But when you have a whole system of fire roads and trails that all have different areas with um, erosion concerns, uh, it's hard to know exactly what the spots are. You have to start working through all of it. And our goal really is to get through all of it and, and do all that work. But we know that we can't do it all at once. And so this project is for a specific area to improve the environmental function of that area and to, um, to, to make it safer and more inclusive. At the same time, I think we're committed to doing more work and knowing that in the surrounding area, there's other trails that need to be addressed and fire roads and, and that this work isn't done uh, after this project's implemented. Um, you know, I think there were a number of other questions about safety around uh, bicycles, uh, e-bikes, um, you know, I, I know I invited uh, Major Ari Golan is here, who's our, our superintendent of operations, who could probably answer if you have more detailed questions. But knowing that you know this is a this is a location, signage is an important part of this this project and and our approach, our um, you know our education uh, work, our partnership with trail partners, the work of our rangers to enforce the rules, but also to educate visitors, our volunteer patrol. All of that is part of the um, making sure that that you know we're promoting safe uh, access and and that really you know that that message I wear my T-shirt that says slow and say hello because I really love that idea that there's an opportunity to meet your neighbors to say hi to slow down and um, and for visitors to to you know have a good interaction out there. Uh, on the trails. Um, let's see, what am I missing? Maybe I could jump in on yeah. something you yeah. said too. Um, regarding some of the comments about erosion and sedimentation, um, this project does have that as part of its goal. Obviously, it's not the only goal or even the main part of the goal. Um, it, you know, visitor access and inclusive access, a big part of it. Some of those other erosion issues that folks have, have talked about on some of the you know, social trails further up in the canyon, we would love to address those at a, you know, work with the community, work with the local community on how to solve those problems. But unless we have bridges, we, we really can't. So it's critical that we have access in and out of the preserve, because how could we address the other issues? So um, there, I think that's a big component as well. Yeah, I know there was one comment as well that was about additional chicanes that could be placed above where the project ends. That's certainly something that we're interested in considering and would work, you know, uh, welcome working with community partners to figure out where that might uh, be most appropriate. Say more, though, about bike and pedestrian separation and safety. I, Vern Huffman said something about, you know, share, a sharing plan. And, but 
but you know my own lived experience in a box canyon is people do get coming down the hill pretty fast yeah that is a concern so I, I want to understand what your thinking is about how to address that oh, yeah thank you yes and I, I mean I think that's actually one of the specific ways that that um, this project is is sort of an example of how to address that right is that you know I think while while there's a lot of education and um, communication about safe visitation we know that there are folks that are gonna use trails and be faster than than what's safe and so creating the physical trail in a way that um, requires people riding on it to reduce speed is part of how how this is constructed and so that's you know the chicanes that John mentioned is an example of that right where you're creating sinuosity in the trail uh, layout so that visitors who are on their bikes are forced to slow down to move around large obstacles essentially um, and so that you know that's like that's a method that we utilize as a best practice in you know virtually all of the multi-use trail projects that that we work on to uh, reduce to reduce speeds uh, on it on a trail where there's shared visitation you know the other components of it is making sure that there's lengthy sight lines so that visitors can see each other uh, along the trail making sure that the width is wide enough that uh, people can stop and step aside for each other certainly true with bikes but also true with um, horses and other um, uh, other types of visitation so um, yeah am I missing anything well, John <clears throat> I guess just with this project site you know it's relatively flat and that is you know one of the best ways to control speed steep grades you know can encourage speeds but this site is relatively flat the whole project area is flat so I'm that is not a you know that the as Max said the sight lines and the widths and the chicanes it doesn't I'm not too concerned about that in this location can you talk a little bit more though about sort of these design features I think this was a, an element that the MCL letter brought up um, in terms of you know the details to those design features that are um, that are geared towards actually calming you know bike traffic what have you and then also the comment that uh, Nona made around um, ensuring that those design features chicanes etc are also compatible with folks using different mobility devices so What's the process, and and where where is the design layout in terms of those traffic calming features, or, and and then also if you could speak to Nona's question. Sure, I, I could start, and then John. I'm sure you have more info than I do. I you know it's there. It's pretty specific on where those the chicanes would be uh, on the design, but part of our adaptive management strategy is that we can we can add more uh, slowing features if needed, and. The width, you know, the width of the trail is wide enough that it doesn't impede the uh, accessibility to have that slowing feature. And I think, you know, one of the things as we're talking to folks um, uh, who ride, you know, bicycles on the trails too, is that those slowing features provide a more interesting experience as well. You know, it slows the rider down, but it makes it, you know, a uh, a more interesting experience to have a trail that has some more sinuosity in it and um, and especially if there are sight lines then it makes it 
open sight lines. It makes it safer. John, do you want to? Yeah, it's essentially two staggered logs, and so it creates a kink in the in the trail. And would maintain good sight lines as long as we have the width that can accommodate um, the IAP guidelines, which is a six foot clear width. Then there would be no conflict with a chicane in the IAP trail. Okay, and is there is there um, room to consider? I mean, to involve some community members in sort of finalizing the design features. I think, I think can't remember who someone brought up. Um, maybe it was Nona again um, installing a chicane of some sort up higher up near where some signage. I'm just, you know, I, I think this is really a critical point, um, and in terms of safety and multiple user trails, but. So that's what I would ask for, that this, the, the design and layout is not just, uh, you know, an internal decision, but is actually sort of thought through with um, involving some other folks. I, um, I, can you also talk about Lower Cary, uh, the Canyon Trail, um, the change of use there? And it's hard to tell from, from the uh, diagram. I have a visual in my head of the trails, but... Um, the expectation is that folks will be, everybody will be coming down the canyon trail because the high water trail will be decommissioned. And so as they're exiting the canyon then, are folks continuing on to Canyon Road or everyone's funneling on to the bridge? And I wasn't sure where the commenters, if the commenters, what area of Canyon Trail they were speaking to. Um, but can you tell me what's, what's the flow there and are bikes kept off of that very lower portion of Canyon Trail that actually leads on to Canyon Road. Yeah, so if, if you're at Bridge 2, and then you're coming down Bridge 2 towards Canyon Trail, and then you see Bridge 1, you would get onto Bridge 1 and then out Cascade. You would not keep going straight down on Canyon Trail and then go out Canyon Drive. So that would still be, that segment would still be Hiker only. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, Stephanie. I got in on you. Then, can you talk a little bit more about? Um, I, I hear very clearly um, the desire to, to separate foot and bike traffic, if possible. Um, I was just on the high water trail. Um, I could manage it. My my uh, friend who was with me um, needed some help. In fact, we actually had to come off the trail. It doesn't feel safe as it is, but talk about the decision to um, actually um, decommission that trail, as it were, as opposed to improving it or, or, some, or doing something else. Well, if, if it was improved to a multi-use standard, it would have to be, you know, four or five foot wide. I'm not talking about multi-use. Just as a hiker only. Um, you know, in, it's, it's right, on the, right on the edge of the creek, right, like you've seen. We had conversations, we brought the regulatory agencies out there. They really don't want us to do that work, to, to make improvements to a trail right on the edge of the creek. And furthermore, that really wouldn't solve the problem of cyclists or equestrians. So why go ahead and do that work when it doesn't, the, I'm not sure how the regulatory agencies would have responded if we you know, pushed that issue and it wouldn't solve the other part of the problem. I get that, I wasn't trying to, I think the bridges are really important. Um, but I also, I was, I wanted to hear more about consideration of the high water trail and, and rerouting it. And I can, uh, having walked there and seen the rock and stuff, it seems like it would be a major project, but I, I wanted you to speak to it. I understand the resource agency's point of view. 
Um, another thing that came up, and, and just while we're on this, um, the, let's see, I really, um, I really feel it's important for us to be talking about the larger trail system. I don't think, I, I, I believe this project is important no matter what, and actually it's kind of the base for doing work on the, for addressing the larger trail system, whether it's for uh, improving those trails for sustainability or safety or sediment or what have you. And so I, I, I'd really like to hear what sort of commitment can be made to, frankly, addressing those, that larger trail system, specifically Happersburger and um, what else is out there? I'm kind of forgetting it. Yeah, and, Rock yeah, and yeah. I know that, that some of that's on water district land, but in, in my view, this is a very important baseline project, and those bridges would be part of any project scope, even if we had a larger scope. But I'd like to hear some what kind of commitment can be made to looking at the larger trail system there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Jim, just to say, you know, I think we we're really are committed to I mean, all of our trail systems, but that system especially, it's an area that's both loved for visitation, you know, for the, um, those trails go to some really unique places. They cross the boundaries between our uh, open space preserve and the water district lands, and they're also really unique habitats and have erosive features because they were not designed in an environmentally sustainable way. So they really do bear, uh, you know, um, coming up with solutions to, to improve them. And I think we would really welcome partnership from the community. And I heard a lot of interest from the community in finding, uh, you know, solutions for it, but um, ways to, to look for uh, opportunities uh, for those trails in that area. I follow up. So, yeah. but do we have a comprehensive trail plan for this area? Like, what you finished uh, on? Yes, yes, yeah. So, this is all of our preserves are part of our road and trail management plan, and we went through and went through each uh, area to designate the system, just like we did in Tiburon. This was, I think, the second area that we did, and so this is, you know, the first step is the road and trail plan. Then we do the designation to kind of lay the groundwork, and then the next piece is we bite off bite-sized projects that we plan to uh, implement sort of the vision that was created through that designation piece by piece. Okay, so you had a, and so is, is the Deer Park Trailhead that one of the speakers mentioned part of that overall trail plan? No, so that's uh, Marin Municipal Water District property. Okay, I'm gonna keep going, can I keep going? No, go ahead and finish. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you go 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 ahead. I have some asks. And I, I just wanted to follow up one of the points that I think Katie was making. Um, I think the MCL letter made some good points, mm -hmm. but I don't know we need to change the the uh, proposal today. But it seems like that would be something you would do in your adaptive uh, adaptive management and monitoring, and be able to take some of that input at that point and uh, decide to ad adopt it or not. Is that sort of where you're going and you're thinking and Yes, 100%. I think agreed that there's a lot of really great points and that that adaptive management approach is really important for us to be looking for potential impacts and adapting 
the approach and looking at visitation. I think, you know, the other thing that was brought up was the dusky-footed wood rat nests. And, you know, I think it's really important for our team to continue monitoring the wood rats in that area. John, you know, is, uh, our team's committed to doing that. Um, really, we do a lot of wildlife monitoring that's not necessarily related to any project, but because we have, a, you know, a um, focus on science and understanding with our one TAM partnership the land, at a landscape level, how, how, how species are doing, and that helps to inform our work. I guess my point is that you do this anyway, regardless, on any project, and that you always welcome input from the community and experts and other people. So. Yes, yes. Thank you. I don't have any more questions. I did not get the marine conservation letter, so I don't know if it came into the Board of Soups. Uh, I didn't see it in the public comment packet, so I, I just have to flag that. Either I missed it or it just didn't get through. So you continue, and then uh, okay. we'll start the agenda. Well, I guess what I'm going to do, and, and Mary will make a comment. So um, as I've said, I think this project is really important, but there are some things I would like to see happen. Um, I don't... I think the I think the uh, EIS, the environmental, doc, you know, the neg deck, that was I think it was complete uh, as complete as they it can be. I don't see anything changing there, but I do want to. Um, this was part of the MCL letter as well, but I know the. Um, I think that this I would like the staff to commit to multi-year monitoring of the wood rat nests in addition to already what's in there, uh, what's planned. Um, I would like to have you commit to working with the community and, and different stakeholders on the design features that we talked about. I think it's important to involve the neighbors as well because sometimes less may be more desirable than more in other cases different and they also have an experience with, with, that, with those trails. Um, I, I want you to come back and talk about really what's the plan and when for dealing with Happersberger and Split Rock. I know we don't have complete jurisdiction, but I mean there, there's a lot of there's a lot of use and there's a lot of traffic, and uh, all of our preserves are seeing more use over time. And you know we're, we these are public places, so we want to we want to you know it's okay for people to come and use the parks, uh, whatever mode they're on, as long as it's legal. Um, but we, it, the, the, the deal is, is what's it doing to the environment and what's it doing to the trail mix and how and is it creating safety issues. So I think those, are, I think those trails create real sediment issues, as has been raised, and um, increases the value of making the investment in those bridges if we can deal with, those, with these other trails. I think it's really important for um, you to be uh, communicating what you're learning uh, in your monitoring in terms of visitor use and the sort of adaptive management strategies that you end up employing. I think you should involve the community in that. Uh, and then also, uh, this preserve likes so many, um, communicating proactively as well as on the website and more passively about limited parking. We have lots of preserves that have really limited parking. One of the reasons we love Marin County is because of all our parks and preserves that are next to our neighborhoods and we have parking issues all over. I've dealt with you with other um, areas. But I think we could be, I think parks could be more aggressive and more proactive about communicating about the limited parking, specifically in this preserve and elsewhere. 
Um, and then um, I, the Thanksgiving ride, I actually, I don't think it should ever be coming back down this canyon. And um, I'm not gonna condition this project on that, but I'm gonna put it out there. I think it's really important. I don't think these bridges should be looked at as um, the green light for the Thanksgiving ride coming back down that canyon, especially given the state of the trails and and even the you know the fire road. What is it? Can't remember what's called. Repack um, that is has been improved, but still that amount of traffic is going to have impact. So um, that's what I would like to see in approving both um, the e, the environmental document and the uh, project itself. Those are my comments. Mary, other comments, uh, and then Supervisor Adani. So uh, a few comments. Um, so looking at the MCL letter and kind of the comments that we've heard, I, I think the ongoing commitment to monitoring of the wildlife, the rats, you know, any fish habitat, the parking, the bicycle use, I hear a commitment that that monitoring will continue, and I think you've set a very strong precedent in other work and other projects that the, you will do that. Um, and so that gives me confidence it will happen here. And that also, you know, I know your team will go and meet with people who have concerns and complaints from day one and at six months and at six years. If there's issues that arise that you have a reputation of being on the ground and talking to people and looking for solutions. Um, so that gives me confidence in, you know, we don't know what the world's gonna do tomorrow, but that we can adjust and we can adapt and, you know, making something that's accessible to families, that's accessible to, to people with mobility issues and to people who don't live right there. Um, I think it is an important aspect that, you know, it is, it is open to everybody and, um, at the same time, because of the abundance of parks that we have in our county, this isn't a one place that everybody's gonna go at one time. We have other waterfalls, we have an abundance of other trails, and most people do tend to go what's within you know, the circumference of their own homes rather than traveling. Um, I am interested in sort of you know, what, when you can come back with what's the next step what are you thinking of down the line after this project as far as the greater um, RTMP, these other trails that have issues, you know, to the extent we need to be working with other agencies differently or bringing them into that dialogue. Um, let's do that and create that plan so we're thinking ahead because as we look at the timeline on this one, we know <laughs> this takes a long time. So let's kind of start thinking of what what the next thing is to bite off to address some of these, if it's sedimentation or if it's other um, trail uses. To the bikers that have called in today and, um, and have expressed their interest in this project, um, I'm asking you <laughs> to educate your peers and to talk to your peers about the importance of safety um, and speed and regulation. Um, there are always bad actors, but I think that we also have a culture of good actors. And so, you know, to those who want to see this project and to see other projects, it's incumbent upon you to police and regulate yourselves. Um, 
but I really, I, I'm supportive of moving forward on this today, frankly, by and large, based on parks, other projects, and how they have really been a huge benefit to the environment. I think of Ponte as one that's a huge benefit to users, um, to the natural environment, and there are speed checks throughout that project that you don't necessarily even know that they're there, but they do slow people down. Um, and so based on sort of what it, the precedent you've set, I'm comfortable with moving forward. Thank you, and I'll be brief. Um, I appreciate Supervisor Rice's suggestions. Um, you know, this is a good project. Environmentally, it's a good project. It's the right thing to do. I don't know how many projects have been involved in removing things from the water and the creek, and this just makes so much sense. So I appreciate it from that perspective, and I will be supporting this. Uh, and I also will be supporting this. I, th I think this is a really a great project uh, and look forward to, to more accessibility improvements uh, throughout the county. I think I don't want to repeat anything that was said here. Probably one of my biggest takeaways looking at uh, the stakeholder engagement going back 10 years. Um, my takeaway, I, I wonder if maybe all of the effort we put into engagement maybe in the long run was could be somewhat of a disservice. Um, you know, having a longer period of time, uh, Maybe it creates more chatter, but not necessarily better chatter. I, I, I look at it, I mean, 10 years is a long, long time. And, and for people on either side of this, this argument, whether they're for it or against it, um, does that create coming together or does that create more entrenchment? So it's just, just, a, just a high level overview. Um, I think maybe some, some way to, I don't want to eliminate public engagement, but maybe there's a way to have more of a check in at an earlier, earlier spot in. I don't know if, if 10 years really really benefit us. I know we're talking about two bridges, um, 10 years. Uh, the Golden Gate Bridge was built in four and a half years, so just to put that in perspective. Um, but we got a lot of really good feedback here and uh, don't want to take away from that. So um, I'm very supportive, excited to see this move forward. Okay, I'll just be brief. Uh, I, I have been assimilating all this on the dais, which I never really like to do, but I want to thank MCL Nona for your letter, which I have read now. Uh, I want to thank our team because I've seen your your trail design and it's very good and thank you for explaining some of the traffic calming aspects and that it's flat in general. I think my worry is the connecting trails that have downhill speeds uh, and I also know that we have good partners in our bicycle community who will help and that we can take this up in the future uh, as we look at those trails and honestly Max I would uh, ask that we consider, you know, uh, a one-tam approach to this area. It sounds like the water district's in there, and I don't know who else is there. But if we are uh, prohibited from doing a comprehensive trail plan because we don't own all the land, then let's work with our partners to forge those relationships so that we can have a comprehensive plan. Uh, and I know we can do that. Uh, and Katie, thanks to you for all your good suggestions and, and visiting your area and so I, I think it pastors must with you muster with you and Mary you had some good comments and I'm, I'm prepared to support it as well uh, so with that uh, we have a few things we need yeah a motion I move to adopt the resolution approving the IS MND for the Cascade Canyon bridges and trails improvement project including the findings in accordance with 
The California Environmental Quality Act, adoption and adoption of the mitigation report and monitoring program and direction to staff to file a notice of determination. That's one motion. And then the second included, the next part of the motion is to adopt the resolution approving the proposed Cascade Canyon bridges and trail improvement project um, with the direction um, that has been given to staff. Second. Okay, we have a motion, Rice, a second by Lucan. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, thank you, everyone. And with that, we are adjourned for the day. Thanks very much, and thanks to all the public commenters.